Greetings from Long Island, where every highway is a sunrise. It's time for Dave's Gone By, an hour of comedy, talk, and music brought to you by Total Theater, with your host, Dave Lefkowitz. You've never heard anything like it, so sit back, relax, squeal if you must. Here's the host of Dave's Gone By, Dave! Tropical hot dog night! Like two flamingos in a fruit fight. Every color of day. Whirling around at night. Well, there goes the neighborhood. Welcome, everybody to the 233rd episode of Dave's Gone By. Here with us on this August 5th, 2007, this lovely Sunday night, with uh, Tom Glavin going for number three, uh, 300, and so much going on on this program. First of all, we've got my uh, usual guest co-host, Jeff Goodman, in studio, which is really great. I've also got my wife, Joyce, in the studio tonight, kind of helping out behind the scenes, because we're doing some stuff that, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not ready to tell you all about it yet, but there uh, should be some interesting things happening in early October relating to this show and certain aspects of the program. And, oh, so much to do. I'm going to get, first of all, the, um, the sponsors out of the way before I tell you all the stuff that's happening on this week's Dave's Gone Dave? By. Helping me, oh, oh I, I hear Jeff Goodman. Dave, I'm getting a little psychic energy. Yes. I feel we're going to get a caller real soon. Is that Psychic Angina? Yes. Well, then let's get the sponsors done while we're waiting for that phone call. sponsors? Come on, the sponsors. You, you the day's gone by. The, the day's gone by sponsors like MortgagesRock.com? Yeah, exactly like MortgagesRock.com. Now, why should people go to MortgagesRock.com? Because not only can they get a mortgage, they can make money by helping their friends and relatives with mortgages. Exactly. They teach you. How to be a mortgage broker. Mortgages and that's rock. why mortgages do rock. And also, what about Hewlett Minuteman Press? Why don't you tell folks about them? Hewlett Minuteman Press are the copy kings of Broadway. Uh-huh. And they're located right next to Loman Shoe Store. They certainly are. Take up that phone so I can talk about Loman some more. No, we don't need to hear about Loman's. It's 10% off for Dave's Gone By listeners at Hewlett Minuteman Press. But, but, but as soon as Dave picks up the phone, I'll know if it's 15% off. No, me. you won't. No, you won't. But, but you will tell us about Performing Arts Insiders. Performing Arts Insiders is my Bible of Broadway, and it should be your Bible of Broadway, because that's the, the, the one reference that you need if you are a Broadway professional, want to be a Broadway professional, or even just love Broadway. And by the way, I think that in order to win this, the contest by um, the League of American Theaters and Producers, you must be a, a, a subscriber. Do you know about the new contest? I have no idea about this. What They're having a contest for Broadway's biggest fan. Oh, I didn't know this. They're going to have three, three finalists. They're going to have to send in videotapes about how much you love Broadway. Uh-huh. And, of course, you're going to have a copy of your Performing Arts Insider next to you. You know, by the way, let, let's first give the disclaimer, Jeff is lying. <laughs> I mean, there, there may be a League of America. No, there is a contest. But it's got nothing to do with Performing no, Arts no. Insider. But, just trying but, to make but if you want to be the biggest yeah. fan, you oh. have to have a Performing Arts Insider. That way you know everything that's going on on Broadway. Now you're talking. Absolutely. And also... Got to give yourself a plug, please. Oh, no one's going to call Fancy Schmancy Balloons at 516-797-3229. I can't even remember number. the phone number. Well, we'll try and remember it one more time. Was it 516-797-3229? And why should people call that number? Because if they want to have a party, I'm the person to call for all the decor. 
Well, the planning. Or the moments. Balloons and the... Uh, and centerpieces. pieces. That's right. Now, do, was I right? Do we psychically have we a phone call? We psychically have a phone call from a good friend of both of us. This is an unexpected addition to Dave's Gone By. I didn't think it was going to be a friend of mine. Oh, oh yeah. Well, who else would call us at 11 o'clock at night? Is this... Wait... Can you guess who it is, Jeff? Can you guess who's on the phone with us well, right now? Well, you throw me off by saying it's a friend of mine. What I really thought, don't have any I really thought it was Charlie Gross, but not. But he's no friend of mine. Ch- mm. Let, let's <laughs> discuss that. Uh, do we have Charles Gross on the line? I, I am, and I'm, I'm deeply wounded because Jeff is always telling me what a wonderful friend he is. Well, it's not your friend. I think of you as family. Oh. That's so, so let me guess. I, know, I know when you see your family. I don't think that makes me feel any well, better. True. No, you're right. I like you better than my family. <laughs> so what, what happens between you, I guess, will qualify as incest. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hashem forbid. And so, Charlie, why are you calling in? What, what do you have because to Because he's yeah. leaving on well, a jet I just, plane. I was listening uh, before about be back uh, again. Okay, the thing. Is Rosie O'Donnell abdicating? Rosie O'Donnell? What? What are you saying? I missed the first part. I'm the new Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, no, oh. no, no, no. I, I, you, you were talking about Broadway's uh, biggest fan? Yeah. Oh, so no, it won't be Whoopi. I asked, I asked I, is Rosie I'm, O'Donnell abdicating. Oh, nicely, nice rejoinder there. Yes, yes. And if you've ever been Good. rejoined. Good. Thanks for, thanks for doing a segue from the 20 minutes ago spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was listening. Well, you was know, listening. I, I was listening to the show, and I guess you're on a time delay. No. Take them turn your radio down. down. Come on, turn your radio down. down. <laughs> So, so Charlie, where are you going on this big trip? I'm off to the Promised Land, the land of Israel. Isn't the Promised Land Miami at this point? <laughs> Actually, I thought it was Borough Park. Oh, well. But, but apparently, no, we, we, it, it is still uh, Israel. Where are you going in Israel? Uh, well, I'll be um, all around. I'll be in Jerusalem for most of the time. First, he's going to stop in a little Jewish uh, settlement called Rome, Italy. <laughs> well, that's we're, we're gonna we're we're gonna stop over and change planes in Rome. Unfortunately, there's not gonna be enough time for me to see any of Rome or Italy. Oh, well, um, on the way down, take some pictures. <laughs> well, in the airport, yeah. No, on the way to Florencia Airport or whatever. It's not even called Rome anymore. Oh really? Oh okay. And then and then you're going, I guess, to Jerusalem. How long are you gonna be gone? Two weeks? Yeah, about two weeks. Cool. So, cool. Yeah, we're looking, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, this is my and year. ask him how he's flying. What airline? Is not going to allow? Actually, um, we will be taking El Al for one leg of the trip back, uh-huh. but mostly we'll be flying uh, Alitalia uh, oh. via Delta. Makes, it, makes sense. <laughs> 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 it's like Jewish? <laughs> Italian. Uh, it's El Al Italia, kind of thing. I know, I know. Is that interesting? No. And, and not that, no, but it's like because Long Island is filled with Jews and Italians. It's like... Okay. They're the same people. Now the airlines well, are interchangeable. Well, you, you know, it's interesting. I, I overheard Red Buttons uh, speaking about it at a roast for Fatima. He was saying how all Italians became singers and the Jews became comedians. Yeah. Of that so, era. And yes, what well, is the we and an Italian? Yeah. A year of high school, maybe? Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. I missed, I missed all of that, and we don't really have time to go back on that. But, so, so besides Jerusalem, what are your plans for... Um, uh, well, we uh, hope to be in the Golan for a day or two. Uh, do a little. Uh, and they're getting some nice and, uh, Actually, it's Golan Sipple. So maybe it's going to be a very <laughs> disgusting trip. I'm kidding. Maybe some. Uh, maybe a little snorkeling. Snorkeling. Uh, we hope to see Masada. I don't know if we're going to climb it or not. We may climb down it. Uh, uh-huh. Are you going to climb Masada? You have to leave very early in the morning. We're going to be there 
in the evening. I hear it's, uh, they have some very nice shows there in the evening. And you're, you're taking the kids, right? Oh, the wife yeah, and the kids. definitely taking the kids. Mm-hmm. This will be their first time. What are your kids' names again, Charlie? My daughter, Sarah, she is uh, just about mid She's 12. And my daughter, Miriam, she's 10. Have, you, have they been to Israel before? No, this is their first time. Oh, Aaliyah. And uh, right. in, in actuality, the first time that uh, my wife and I have been there since our honeymoon. Oh. So it's been a while. We're really looking forward to getting to getting back. How romantic. Yes, yeah. the bombs bursting in air. The second honeymoon. <laughs> are, you, are you all afraid? Are you taking any kind of terrorism precautions or just, what the hell, you're there? Well, you know, I live in New York. Yeah. And I, and I, and I lived in New York pre-Giuliani. But the more important question yes. is, remember what I was talking to you before about? No. I, not, I wasn't talking <laughs> to you. I was talking to Charlie. I, I decided that when things get really boring, mm-hmm. I think he should join the Mile High Club with his wife. And what does he do with the children while they're... Uh... It's just, what do you do? Go to the bathroom. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. The children will be asleep in their seats. I don't know. That, that, or they'll be watching Shrek 3, which is funny. Something like that. It's got such a been there, done that thing. I, I don't think... Charlie, I want to hear you. I want to hear your bundle of the Mile High Club. the cockpit, maybe. You know, put the thing on autopilot. Give us a few minutes. No. I consider it. It's the bathroom. It's the way you have to have it. Oh, I, have, I don't know if that's kosher. I'll take your word for it. I'm telling you. All right. And well, I'm, I'm so we, we'll be checking in but, when you come but, back but to getting, see if you're a member of the Mile High Club. Um, Israel is pretty safe these days. Uh, are you going to Haifa? Lockwood. Are you? Are you going to Haifa? Uh, we will not be going to Haifa, no. Are you going to the Sinai? Uh, well, there's not much to do in the Sinai anymore because, you know, they gave most of that back. The most of, well, I shouldn't say they gave it back. They gave it to the Egyptians. I actually was in the Sinai Desert about uh, 25 years ago. Me too. Really? And, um, right I, was, before, I was in Israel in 1974, right after the war. Was it Sandy? Yes, it was. And we went to Eilat. Eilat of what? And they did some snorkeling there. Yeah. And it, it's very pretty. Over Good. There. And I camped out in the desert, which was fun. Uh, we had to t- take turns uh, taking guard every night. Really? Yeah. With like a gun and stuff? We had a guard on the bus. No, I, I did not get a gun, unfortunately. Okay, a police whistle? Oh, please, God, no one put a gun in that man's hand. But we did. It wouldn't be the first time. Um, but we did have uh, someone with us who did have a uh, who did have a rifle. Or a, oh, this is good. Uh, <laughs> it was an eight-year-old. And, uh, I'm sorry? <laughs> with an eight-year-old with a rifle. Anyway. <laughs> not quite, not quite. Anyway, Charlie... This is the priest with the rifle with the eight-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> we got to move along, but Charlie, very, very safe and happy and delightful trip. Thank you, Dave. Call us when you, you get back in a couple of weeks. I hope you have a, a terrific time, you and the family. Thank you so much. And don't forget to join the Mile High Club. Now stop that. Or, or at least, what, what's the kilometer high? Because it's Israel and it's a different uh, metric system there. Yeah, so. I think that's... Um, well, the, um, uh, it, w- it would be... It a, no, kilometers. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, Kilometers. <laughs> Look at who's coming out uh, correcting <laughs> pronunciation. I know. Charlie, have a wonderful time. Thank you, Dave. We'll talk to you soon. Happy trails to you. Until we meet again. All right, Charles Gross, ladies and gentlemen, on Dave's Gone by our first guest, totally unexpected. Thanks, Jeff, for lining our that up. Our first guest who's now gone and on his way to Israel. Good, good. Well, I'm sure we'll be going uh, you know, tomorrow. But 5 p.m. Look for him flying over in New York. Any burglars listening, that's the time to break into the house. You have from about 6 o'clock tomorrow night until two weeks. For two weeks, you can break in and you can live into his house at... Yeah, okay. Anywho, got to move forward. Got to roll along here. So, going to tell everybody what else is happening on this episode of Dave's Gone By. Well, First of all, on this episode of Dave's a lot Gone of stuff going on in what the news. What episode number are we on? 233. 
233rd that's, that means episode. One third of the way is to 300. Yeah. Well, we're, we're more than a third. Uh, we're two thirds of the way to 300 if you count from zero. Well, we're more than that. Actually. Except zero, Marcel's dead, so we can't really count from him. Or count on him. But so he, zero you can never count exists. on him. Yeah. Anyway. Um, our Ooh, guest will be. Esoteric. Turning your mic down. John K. Hartman. <laughs> Just. Turn my mic on. Okay. Oh, I, I've stopped trying to turn you on, Jeff. Anywho. David, you couldn't possibly. I thank you very much. Anyway, can I please announce this so we can get rolling so we have time for later I'm on? I'm dying to find out who is our guest on Days Gone Our guest is a guy named Jack Hartman, a.k.a. John K. Hartman, who is a journalism professor and expert on journalism and media. Why are we talking to him? Why are we talking to this guy, John K. Hartman? Because just this week, Rupert Murdoch, got approval to make a purchase of the Wall Street Journal, which means he now will own Fox News Network, he's going to own, he does own the New York Post, and he's going to own the Wall Street Journal. And I found oh, he's also going to be owner of my resume soon. <laughs> <laughs> True. And he's going to be building a blue, a, something to go against Bloomberg News TV Network. He's going to try and build a Rupert Business Channel, too. So, a Rupert Business yeah. Well, yeah. That now, thing will probably be called the Wall Street Business Channel. Or, or or the Murdoch Channel, something like that. Murdoch I News. think it's probably going to use the Wall Street Journal. You think so? Yeah, uh, yeah it's pretty much as financial, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. So anyway, I found that kind of interesting. And, and just in case yeah. he wasn't planning on that, that'll cost you a million, Rupert. Why? My advice to call it the Wall Street Journal Channel. An extra million. Well, if, if he's spending he a couple of million to, to buy it. Well, he, well, he could he could sign me on for the you know, yeah, couple being couple like months. executive director of yeah. that channel or something. Now, besides having John Hartman on to talk about all that, and there's we, more. There's more. By golly, there's, oh my if you'll just let me get to it. There's Inside Broadway, where we're going to really? talk about all the the couple of fun things. First of all, I'll be reviewing a show called My First Time. Which, uh, Speaking of my high clubs. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's, there's a story in that about that, and that's what it is. It's an off-Broadway show that culls thousands of submissions to a website. I think it's called MyFirstTime.com, where people tell about the first time they had sex. And or they lied about it. Or, or, yeah, or they made it up. So what they do is they get the actors to read them out and to talk about them and say them. And, and you know, I guess you kind of get a sense of how all these different people lost their virginity. And we'll be talking about, in the news section of Inside Broadway, the Fringe Festival offerings have been announced, which always means some of the weirdest, wackiest, zaniest titles of I shows ever at the New York Fringe Festival. We'll be talking about those on Inside Broadway. And they also announced some of the musical festival, too. Right. I don't have that information with me. Well, we'll discuss that at a later date. You got it. Plus, also, if there's time, on this episode of Dave's Gone By, we're going to say kind of a, a sad part. Bye-bye to Ingmar Bergman, the great film director who died this they, week. We have to stay in Swedish. Yeah, well, we also lost uh, Antonioni, but who cares? Who? <laughs> Michelangelo Antonioni also died. Who's that? We'll talk about him very briefly. You'll find out if you stick around later in the show. I want to stick around. I want to know now. And we'll also home. hear some news about the Weekly World News. So do not go away. And I have some news, too, about Off-Broadway. Very interesting Off-Broadway casting story. We'll save it for Inside Broadway. Don't forget, Jeff Goodman. I'm Dave Lefkowitz in the studio with you on Dave's Gone By. We're running late. We've got to get to our first guest, Jack Hartman, and we will do that right after these messages. Treat me like I'm just yesterday's news here. Hey, all you swinging hep cats, hep kittens, and hepa filters. Have I got a cool book for you. It's called Marriage, Babies, and the End of the World. It's published by Holbo Books. 
and it's got a bunch of comedies in there by Dave Lepkowitz, the host of Dave's Gone By. I think you'll find them funny, so cats and kittens, give it a look. Davesgoneby.org is the cool place to go for marriage, babies, and the end of the world. Minute Man, the superheroes of photocopying, printing and binding. Minute Man, no job too big or small. Minute Man, family run since 1975. Minute Man, 1315 Broadway in Hewlett, Long Island, next to the new low men's shoe store. Tell them they've sent you for 10% off. Minute Man, hero of our photocopying dreams. Hi, this is Jack Hartman, author of the USA Today Way, and you're listening to Dave's Gone By on WGBB. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By on this Sunday night, August 5th, 2007. And uh seems like a pretty ordinary Sunday. I mean, we broke the heat wave. The weather's still warm, but kind of nice. And no real big pending news since that old bridge disaster earlier in the week. And yet, there may be some kind of seismic shift going on in media, in what we're reading and what we're seeing and Again, the control of what we're reading and seeing, because this week, Rupert Murdoch's board allowed him to basically buy and take over the Wall Street Journal. And I think that all the details are being finalized, and I don't know if it's a necessarily done deal yet, but it sure looks like it's going to happen. And, uh, I mean, considering the fact that Murdoch owns Fox and the New York Post, among many, many other things, it's, uh, it's quite a coup and uh, something I think really worth talking about, which is why we have on the phone with us tonight Jack Hartman, a.k.a. John K. Hartman. He's a a journalism professor at Central Michigan University and kind of an expert on all these media and journalism sorts of things. He's the author of USA Today Way and USA Today Way 2, which I don't think have, have anything to do with the USA Today newspaper. We'll find out about that. We'll find out a lot of stuff from Jack Hartman. Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Thank God. I'm good. I'm good. So what was your first thought, first thought, best thought, when you heard that Rupert was going after WSJ? Well, I figured he thought he had the situation wired. I think he felt that um, uh, that uh, values of newspaper stocks had been going down. I didn't think he, I think he felt that if he made a big enough bid, uh, it would scare the competition away. And then it would just be basically be left to him to uh, sweet talk enough members of the Bancroft family into selling, and uh, that uh, that he would get the prize. And that's uh, essentially what happened. Do you know how much he paid for it, or would would pay for it? Well, I, I've heard uh, five uh, five and a half billion. Billion with a B. It's, it's, yeah, billion with a B is what it's going to turn out to be, and that's a. Uh, that's an enormous uh, premium. The stock was selling for $37 a share, and he offered $60 a share. Ooh. So we're looking at, what, a 60 65% premium. Why is Wall Street Journal so important to him? I mean, it's just a, it's a, of course, it's the Dow Jones. It's a business newspaper, but why? Well, first of all, he's got a large ego, and I think he fancies himself owning the most uh, prestigious business publication in the United States, if not the world. Number two, I think that he feels that it uh, it uh, it will enhance uh, his uh, media empire, 
and it will make uh, other properties that he currently owns, such as uh, the Fox News Channel, uh, such as MySpace, perhaps even the New York Post, uh, uh, Fox television stations that he owns uh, around the country, and other uh, satellite communication, other newspapers and things that he owns uh, in, in other countries around the globe. I think he thinks, and also uh, MySpace. I think he thinks that owning the Wall Street Journal will help him make more money and add to his audience uh, in uh, uh, those particular uh, uh, properties. And in particular, yeah, uh, he is starting something called the Fox Business Channel in October. And so I believe that uh, he feels that um, you know owning the Wall Street Journal will give that uh, business channel instant credibility and help him generate audience. Uh, and help him do uh, with uh, business news channels what he did a few years ago with uh, news channels, and that is to have the number one rated channel. You know, Fox News Channel came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden it's got twice the audience of the, of the cable news network. And maybe also so, they, they do a, like an advertising media buy, like you give the advertiser the option of having well, an ad in the Wall Street Journal at the same time an ad on uh, Fox Network or something like that. Right. Yeah, selling in what we call selling across platforms, and also news gathering across platforms because you can same, use the same person to gather the news for your for your newspaper, for your websites, for your television stations, and uh, and so on and so forth. Now, of course, his target uh, uh, in business news channels is the number one rated channel, which is uh, CNBC, and to a lesser extent, the uh, the Bloomberg. Uh, 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 Network, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, actually, here's, here's something that um, I saw a quote from you that said, I mean, your opinion on all of this was that it would be a sad day for journalism if Rupert were to get the journal because you say, quote, Murdoch's journalism is biased to the conservative Republican cause. It's not even really journalism as we've known it. And it's a sad day for people who care about journalism and a sad day for a country whose, quote-unquote, democracy depends on journalism. Are you being um, overly, uh, I don't know, cautious or, or uh, gloomy on that? Or do you really feel absolutely that's, that's the truth? Well, you know, I mean, you can learn a lot about someone by stating their record. And uh, Rupert Murdoch's uh, Fox News Channel is a biased operation. It's a... Uh, it's like Rush Limbaugh on uh, television, and um, uh, so his record uh, basically is uh, uh, when he's taken over media properties that uh, that he has begun to color their news coverage to try to uh, uh, use the uh, the news report more as a persuasive tool than an informative tool. Now it's important to understand that the Wall Street Journal is really two publications. You have the news coverage in the Wall Street Journal, and you have the editorial page coverage and the commentary mm -hmm. in the Wall Street Journal. The commentary in the Wall Street Journal is very uh, tends to be conservative, tends to be right wing, uh, tends to be aligned with uh, the Republican Party and in uh, business interests. But the news coverage in the Wall Street Journal has always been considered a very fair, very straightforward, uh, very unbiased, and and very complete, uh, and that provides a valuable service to the country and to anyone that reads the Wall Street Journal. And uh, I think that if Murdoch starts to change that, that, that will be unfortunate. Huh. You know, I've heard, though, that in personal life, as it were, not that this matters, that he is a fairly liberal person, and that when he took the New York Post, he made it conservative just because he felt that's what the market needed, because the Times would be so liberal, and, and 
it would be filling a gap that people would buy, not necessarily because he was a conservative person. Have you heard that? Or? Um, well, again, you'd have to look at his other properties. <laughs> Excuse me, sure. what he's done with them. And I think that uh, now, all that being said, uh, you know, Rupert Murdoch is very is also a very practical uh, politician. He's a very practical businessman. Uh, you know, when Hillary Clinton came on the scene, was elected senator from New York, he was very much opposed to her. But now that she's been reelected as a senator, and now that she is a serious candidate for the presidency, uh, you find that she and Rupert Murdoch have uh, kind of made amends. She's contributed to her campaigns. Oh. Uh, she doesn't refer to him as the devil anymore. Uh, so he is a very practical guy, uh, you know, uh, from a political standpoint, and will bend his his political philosophies if he sees some uh, some economic gain and some gain of influence. Speaking of, of influence, um, one of the other things that I've, I've been prodded to ask about is you, you mentioned Bloomberg, and I've heard also that that's really the golden egg, the, the idea of going one-to-one against Mayor Bloomberg's properties and, and really filling up the, the airways with more news channels and, and you know being the number one over him. Do you think that's the, uh, the real goal? Uh, that's what Murdoch's looking for. Yeah. I've never really observed him feeling like he's in competition uh, with Murdoch. I think that um, uh, that he's targeting his efforts against uh, uh, MSNBC, which is the number one uh, rated news channel. Uh, and I really haven't heard about any feud with. Um, well, not a feud. Uh, I mean, more like uh, you know, more like I want to be bigger than him. It doesn't have to be a feud. It just can be like, hey, you know, I want that market share that uh, Bloomberg has, Bloomberg News, Bloomberg Media. I think Bloomberg Media has got a niche that just can't be beat, personally. Oh. Uh, I am privileged uh, for uh, the the price of $13 a month uh, to be able to listen to the Bloomberg uh, News Channel on radio, and it's a phenomenal service. What makes it so special? Very intelligently done, very helpful. Uh, Doesn't overshoot. I mean, I'm not a fan. You know, I pay attention to the stock market. I do some investing and so on and so forth, but I'm not an expert on on the on uh, those. You know, I don't know all the vocabulary terms and everything. But uh, you know, the layman uh, can listen to Bloomberg uh, radio channel and really be informed about uh, what's going on in the business world as well as current events. So um, I, I don't think there's much that can be done to dislodge the Bloomberg niche. I think it's again. I think I think Murdoch is after CNBC. I think he wants to be number one. When you get to be number one. You get exponentially more advertising revenue, uh-huh. uh, and I think that's what he's, uh, you know, that's what he's after. And, and the other thing that we were talking about in pre-interview stuff was this whole idea of buy and dump, which um, he's done before. You know, to hold on to it, but not with any real long-term plans. Right. Could I mean, you explain? Any, yeah. Does, does anybody think Ruben Murdoch is buying the Wall Street Journal because he wants to make it a better newspaper? Well because he wants to serve the public better. No, he's buying the Wall Street Journal because he wants to he wants to make more money, he wants to expand his influence, uh, and he wants to do more uh, things, uh, you know, to enhance his um, uh, to enhance his uh, his empire. Uh-huh. Uh, so um, I think that um, what have what may happen to the Wall Street Journal is the same thing that happened to TV Guide. And the same thing that happened to DirecTV after Rupert Murdoch bought them. After he got what he wanted, uh, he uh, sold them off. You know, he bought TV Guide, 
Yeah. Uh, when he was trying to promote the Fox television channel when it, when it was starting up 15 years ago. And it worked. In fact, the other networks were furious at him because he was using TV Guide, uh, you know, and, and using it disproportionately to talk about what was going on in the Fox television networks. Oh. Uh, Direct TV, of course, he, I think he had, I think he really thought that Direct TV was uh, going to give him uh, a lot more than it turned out to give him. But you can be sure that all the Fox, all the channels that Rupert Murdoch controls have long-term contracts with Direct TV, long-term sweetheart contracts. That were signed with DirecTV before he sold it. But does that also mean that, like, TV Guide was not particularly profitable while he was using it to build Fox? Oh, and absolutely. It, it, in fact, he, yeah. he lost money when he sold TV Guide. But my guess is he made a lot more money off of establishing the Fox television oh. network than he lost on TV Guide. Uh, hmm. And again, he's a very shrewd uh, individual. Nobody can see inside his mind to know what the exact point of, uh, of purchasing the Wall Street Journal is. And, you know, people can only guess. And I'm guessing that he has no particular attachment to the Wall Street Journal. It's just another uh, uh, another part of his empire that um, uh, if it ceases to be uh, highly useful to him, uh, he'll get rid of it. And he, there's no... Um, he's allowed to buy it. I mean, it wouldn't be, what do you call it, a monopoly. I mean, could he buy the Daily News... If he wanted it, or um, the um, uh, the rules on cross ownership or owning uh, two or more newspapers in the same market are pretty lax nowadays, uh, particularly in a highly competitive market like New York, where you have several daily newspapers that are competing. So I don't think you'll uh, run into any problems there. Now he could. I think some people are going to question whether he should be allowed to own the Wall Street Journal and a television station in New York City. Hmm. Uh, which uh, which he would. I well, think he's owns the Post and uh, and Fox in New York City. Yeah, but the Post is um, uh, a relatively smaller newspaper, mm. uh, relatively less of an economic factor than, say, the New York Times or the Wall Street mm. Journal. I think the bigger you get, the more the government takes a look at, uh, you know, is there a conflict. But generally speaking, uh, the direction of the United States is is away from uh, prohibiting uh, newspapers from owning television stations in the same market. So uh, I'll be surprised. And, and, of course, the government is run by the Bush administration. The FCC appointees are Bush uh, or George Bush appointees. And I doubt if they're going to crack down on Rupert Murdoch, who is uh, through the Fox television network, uh, through the Fox news channel. And a, a big friend and supportive of yeah. the Bush administration. We're talking with Jack Hartman about the whole big media thing with uh, Rupert Murdoch buying the Wall Street Journal and all of that stuff. But I want to find out a little bit about you. I know that you're uh, a professor at uh, Central Michigan University in, in journalism, and you also got a whole passel of degrees from Bowling Green State University. You, you, you kind of went there from undergrad all the way through uh, your Ph.D., am I correct? That's correct. Cool. And it was all in journalism, right? Well, no, I my bachelor's is in journalism in, 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 the, in the 60s. Uh, my master's is in radio, TV, film, broadcasting in the 70s, and my Ph.D. is in uh, the broader topic of uh, communication oh. uh, in the 80s. So I have three different degrees in three different departments in three different decades. And you're one of the rare people who got a good job from a communications degree. <laughs> I applaud that. <laughs> well, I think it's because of my journalism background. I mean, communication is... Uh, it's something worthwhile to study, but sometimes it doesn't have practical applications. Right. But journalism, uh, you know, is a very practical uh, field, very connected up to the newspaper uh, and the magazine industries and 
and so on and so forth. And so it's much more of a vocational, I hate to use that term, but it's more, <laughs> it's more of a professional, pre- preparing you for a professional career field than, uh, than uh, general communication is. So I think the combination uh, was very helpful to me because I can, I can discuss things, I guess, across, uh, across uh, uh, communication disciplines. And it's very helpful. It's been very helpful to me in my career. And we were talking, obviously, there was some level of politics involved in talking about Murdoch. I didn't realize that you were a delegate to the, a delegate, you were a delicate delegate to the Democratic National Convention. That's uh, right. My wife and I were both elected as delegates, uh, pledged to John Edwards uh, to the Democratic uh, Convention three years ago in Boston. Uh-huh. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, somebody called up uh, <clears throat> the Central Michigan University uh, public relations office and say, oh, you should have mentioned in your uh, news release that uh, that Hartman was a, uh, a delegate to the Democratic National Convention, uh, therefore he's some wacky liberal and shouldn't be allowed to criticize Rupert Murdoch. I got a, a bit of entertainment out of that. Well, do you uh, feel uh, maybe that you would be biased in any kind of reportage that you do? Because, you know, Edwards is not exactly your most right-wing conservative candidate? Well... Uh, you know, politics is one thing, and uh, my comments about journalism are, are another thing. And I try to—I tend to keep them separate. Cool. And uh, I can be very critical of, uh, of uh, Democrats, liberals, uh, newspapers. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I really call them uh, as I see them. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the program uh, that I've written a couple of books. Uh, those books are actually about the National Newspaper USA Today. Oh, they are about the paper. Okay, They're about cool. the National Newspaper. And they're really the only two books out there that take an objective look at USA Today. You know, there are a lot of people that hated USA Today because it was different, because maybe it wasn't as serious as, as newspapers should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I really took a very straightforward, uh, uh, even-handed look at USA Today. Hey, here's, the, here's what's good about it. Here's what was good for journalism. Here's what's good for the newspaper industry. Here's what might even be good for journalism education. And here's the things that aren't so good. Well, it's good because you get it uh, free in the hotel. Of, uh, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that uh, uh, even though I have very strong beliefs about different subjects, that, uh, uh, you know, I can be very objective and very straightforward in my analyses of things. And th- there is one other thing that I noticed just doing some, some research on you, and I found this absolutely fascinating, that um, talking again about your, your college years, you uh, did a lawsuit against the university that you graduated from three times. And yes. I mean, I mean this, this is, tell everybody what it was about. Well, basically, it was uh, the third time I had applied for a position at uh, the Bowling Green State University uh, Department of Journalism. And on each occasion, uh, a less uh, qualified uh, individual was hired, uh, uh, a less qualified uh, female was hired for the position. And the third time it happened, I decided to investigate uh, more fully. First two times I was disappointed, but I figured, you know, that's you know, that's that's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the third time, uh, it seemed to be a, a recurring pattern of less qualified uh, individuals being hired, uh, and I, I uh, 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 determined in my investigation that um, not only was this individual less, once again, less qualified than I was. In fact, didn't even have her Ph.D., but she was also a member of a minority. And further investigations showed that um, her credentials uh, really didn't, uh, might not have even met the minimum criteria for being hired for the job, let alone uh, stacked up uh, uh, 
next to mine. And so um, I did an investigation and filed a complaint. And, um, and you uh, sued, I finally you? went to uh, trial in the federal court in Toledo, and uh, the jury ruled in my favor. So you got a, an awards settlement for reverse discrimination. That's correct. That's amazing. And, of course, that, you know, that was... Um, uh, not the best thing that I ever did as a Democrat, because these <laughs> people, of course, started to think that uh, you know that I wasn't uh, did believe in, in the democratic causes. I do believe in democratic causes. I do believe in equal rights. I do believe in uh, in affirmative action, but I don't believe in quotas. In, in quotas. This was a quota hire. In fact, in our, in the investigation, uh, uh, I got a document signed by the dean. Signed by the, uh, the the, uh, the the leaders of the university, the hiring authorities of the university, saying we will hire a minority. Wow, this and that's kind of illegal. Yeah, the position. This is what we call the smoke. What I refer to as the my smoking attorney gun. Yeah. Would refer to as a smoking gun document. So, you know, it wasn't. Uh, um, this was such a clear cut case that even even people who were very very skeptical very critical of my, uh, you know, taking on this case, after they saw the evidence, said, you've got to be kidding me. Wow. This well, is so clear-cut. And, and also, I mean, I read somewhere that, although you got a pretty nice little you know, six-figure settlement, you said you would put four years into it, and <laughs> the money that you got, nice as it was, well, was it, not, it you know. Well, it quite turn out that way. We ended up, uh, because the judge didn't like the case, uh, and would not follow through on any of the findings. <clears throat> For instance, I wouldn't even order Bowling Green to be more careful in its future hiring policy. Uh, hmm. that's, that's just for openers. And then the judge uh, said, uh, well, you know what? I think we may need to have another trial. We may need to have five more, five more trials. Hmm. Uh, and uh, finally, I had to contemplate, do I want to spend another five years of my life on this matter? And I decided I didn't want to, so... Uh, uh, so uh, the matter was uh, was settled out of court. Oh, but you uh, so what? it was uh, so. Yeah, it's what we call a moral victory. Okay. You well, know. sometimes you have to settle for those. Well, you know. And uh, we will. As my attorney said, you know, you set out to prove that you were right, and you proved you were right. All right. Hey, some people don't even get that, but we. Well, and I don't it. recommend it for most people. It was a lot of. Uh, it was a lot of tension. It was a lot of pressure. Yeah, you know, there's nothing like going up on the witness stand for God, country, and a uh, uh, defense counsel that, uh, you know, is trying to, uh, you know, make you make a fool out of yourself. Uh, but um, I don't recommend it uh, for most people. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm the kind of person that uh, when there's a principle involved and you push me just, just, just too far, uh, that I am going to, uh, you know, I'm going to fight back. Hmm. Well... I'm trying to think of a, a clever segue out of that into thanking you for being on the show, but I can't. So no, just clever se- no clever segue is unnecessary. It's been my pleasure to uh, uh, to be on your program, and uh, it's, it's uh, a pleasure to be part of the discussion about uh, this. I've been very lucky over the last ten years to have been uh, quoted in uh, uh, in uh, you know the New York Times and USA Today and the Washington Post. In fact, the only major publication I have been quoted in the country is of all things. The Wall Street Journal. Yeah. <laughs> and probably based on my comments about Brother Murdoch, <laughs> there's an even uh, a less infinitesimal chance that uh, 
that, uh, that that's going to happen. But uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity, and anyone who wishes to follow up with me on any of these topics, just uh, certainly feel free to get in touch with me at uh, Central Michigan University. Do you actually have an email or a web address? Uh, yes, it's uh, well. The email is uh, john dot hartman h a r t m a n at dacor and that's d a c o r dot net. And uh, my website is www.dacor, again, that's D-A-C-O-R, dot net, N-E-T, slash, John, J-O-H-N, dot Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N. Could that be any longer? (laughs) Everybody (laughs) says Google John Hartman now. That that is actually the best way to do it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, really, really, actually, uh, all jokes aside, for being on Dave's Gone By, for giving us your knowledge and your experience and bringing that to bear on all that's going on in media and journalism now. Thanks again, Jack Hartman. My pleasure, Dave. Okay, listen to me. No, I mean listen to me on Compact Disc, where bunches of past episodes of Dave's Gone By are yours to hear over and over again. Comedy sketches like Mel's a Poppin' and Handyman Yoni, visits with guests like Reckless Eric and Julie Haggerty, punchlines and politics in the news gone by, all just $11 a disc, shipping included. Visit davesgoneby.org or call 516-295-1511 for me on CD. Inside Broadway, brought to you by Total Theater's Performing Arts Insider, your everything theater guide. Yes, Inside Broadway, on this August 5th, 2007, I'm Dave Lefkowitz, you're listening to Dave's Gone By, very happy to have my guest co-host Jeff Goodman in the studio with us. Hello, Turn on Chuck. my mic. Your mic's, your mic's on, because you're going to help us talk about Broadway and off-Broadway, and we've got to get through a bunch of stuff pretty, pretty quick. First so. or best? Your turn. Okay, well, let's talk about two Broadway shows that this week confirmed their opening dates and casting for this coming season. The Seafarer is going to open at the Booth Theater on November 15th. As if we care. Well, that's the Connor McPherson play. So he wrote plays that I didn't really like that much called The Weir and uh, what was that other one? But anyway. Uh, he wrote that other weird play. Karan Hines, Conleth Hill, and David Morse are going to be in it. Morse is the guy who was a uh, Tony nominee for House last season. He played that nasty cop. He was so good. So he's going to be in The Seafarer. Um, wow. On Broadway. Another Conor McPherson play. I'm so excited. I know. I know. I, I, he, he did one or two nights. St. Nicholas was pretty good. Anyway, also coming to Broadway is a play by Mark Twain. Yeah, has <laughs> been kind of moldered in his drawer for a few years. And it's, a, it's over a hundred-year-old play. It's called adapted, Mark Twain last night. Well, close. It's called Is He Dead? Question mark. Is He Dead is being adapted by David Ives of All in the Timing Fame. Oh, I like that. And it's going to be opening at the Lyceum in late November. That would be the Lyceum. Do you know who's starring? Uh, Mr. Lyceum? Well, no. It's Mr. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Jonathan Price? Nope. Oh, yeah. Ruprecht. The, the, uh, ma, 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 ma. Wait, Norbert wait. Leo Bucks. Norbert. Norbert. <laughs> Come on to Broadway, Norbert. Bring your butts to Broadway, ladies and gentlemen. And he was wonderful in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. So and this is a comedy. What else did he do? He was an original cast member of Rent. Was he really? Yes, he okay, is. He was in Rent and he was All in... the talented people were original cast members of Rent. And he was also in the uh, off-Broadway premiere of the 
oh, Jason Robert Brown piece the last five years. Yes. So he's very, very good. Anyway, this is a fast-paced comedy. A very talented man. About poor artists. This is a fast-paced comedy about a poor poor artist who staged the death of a colleague to make his art more valuable. So, assumedly, it'll have uh, some level of modern relevance. Okay, now let's... Here's the rumor mill for this week. I love rumors. Let's spread some. Courtesy of the New York Post's Michael Regal, who has been a friend to this program, says that there's a limited run this fall coming of Cyrano de Bergerac, a Broadway revival. It's been done a bunch of times. That's not even a rumor. It's it's on on a couple of websites. It's a done deal, though? Yeah. It's, it's really happening? Or? Yeah. Because with Kevin Klein, who's going to star as Cyrano, you never know if until the last that's minute. Kevin Klein is... Look, he just quit his, his show on TV. No, no, no. That's Mandy Patinkin. Oh, that's right. Oops. No, Mandy is not going to be Cyrano. It's, it's Kevin Klein. You know who Kevin Klein is. Because he is a Kevin Klein. And uh, the alias babe is going to be Roxanne. So why is Jennifer Kevin, Garner. I thought Kevin Klein is reliable. He Well, he's very reliable once he commits. But to get him to commit with all the projects that he has, it, you know, it can be to the very last minute. Anyway, and did you know that um, this would not be Jennifer Garner's Broadway debut? She was an understudy in the 1995 revival of A Month in the Country. She was a kid or something like that. At the roundabout. You remember that? Was that Helen Mirren who was in that? I don't know. I don't recall either. Anyways, let's, moving from Cyrano to Shakespeare, because it's almost Shakespearean in its themes, we wish a refua shlema to... Director Daniel Sullivan. Did you hear about this? Yes, he fell through a trap door. Trap door? He didn't yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was working on previews for uh, the Shakespeare in the Park Midsummer Night's Dream. They delayed the previews by a day because he fell through the door, broke a bunch of ribs, collapsed his lung. The sh- but, you know, the show must go on. So they say, hey, he's going to miss three days and he'll be back. And the show started previews a day later. So, you know, these actor types. The show Daniel was- Sullivan, what a trooper. And um, it's going to open on August 23rd, starring in this free to everybody. It's in Central Park, this Midsummer Night's Dream. At the Delacorte. Keith David, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Lila Robbins, and J.O. Sanders. So some good people in there. I love Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Oh, that's right. We discussed. Was he from Walter Boys or the other one? No, no, Jesse Tyler Ferguson is from Spelling Bee. Spelling Bee, yes, yes, yes. And he's also from the CBS Hit the Class, which I don't know if it's coming back or not. No, I don't think they're renewed. Uh, maybe they did. I, I love television. Television, I don't know. Um, speaking of people that we love, or at least my wife loves, it's the return to off-off-Broadway of one of our most controversial, decidedly so, performers, Karen Finley. She's coming back in a few weeks. Yes, Karen Finley. It's the return of the chocolate-smeared performance artist. This is the woman who was right at the forefront of all that stuff with the National Endowment for the Arts about 15 years ago, and they were trying to kill it, and they pointed to her being naked on stage, covering herself with chocolate and saying, that's not art, the government shouldn't pay for it. And she, with these other artists, was saying, yes, it darn well is, you may not like it, but it's art, and it should be done. But you know what I say? What? Mmm, that performance is delicious. Tasty chocolate. (laughs) And and she, and my wife, you know, we saw a performance of hers, and and my wife liked it very much. So, Karen Finley's coming back, and, and she's got some acclaimed solos. It's a two-part thing. One is The Dreams of Laura Bush, which should be a lot of fun, and The Passion of Terry Schiavo. Not sure how much fun that'll be. It's like, ah, beep, 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 ah, beep, beep. Anyway, 
Um, and now, shall we get to On the Fringe? Or no, I want to talk about oh, my Off-Broadway yeah. musical news. Musical news? What is it? Yeah. There is a new Off-Broadway musical called The Idol, which is basically the story of... Um, Who's the guy from American Idol who made it really big by coming in second place to the big fat black guy? <laughs> oh, was it the gay-ish guy? Yeah. <laughs> and what's his name? Kevin? Sandy blonde hair. The the or did he win? Well, I'm going no, to he kill came in a second. fly on the microphone right now. Oh my ears! <laughs> Wow, I just knocked it into a whole new level of, of, of volume here. I'm sorry. Not that. only that, it's like now we can hear, we hear very much distortion on the radio. Clay Aiken, thank you. Ooh. Oh. Well, now I can't stop it, so we're, we're going to have to do this. It, see, you, ah. it's karma. You don't kill those flies. Well, okay, I'm just turning down the... Uh, I don't know why you don't kill them flies. So it's, it's the Clay Aiken story, basically. Right. And it opens in about a week and a half, and they just... Fired the entire cast and the casters. Well, they did it somewhere, right? And then what? They brought it off Broadway. It started previews, and just like a couple of days ago, they fired everyone and it opened in a week. Let's hear it for off off Broadway. Well, it might be. Who knows? It's just off Broadway. It, this is a major off Broadway, or is it part of the New York Musical? No, Theater no, Festival? it's a. And and our, one of our best friends' uh, press agents is handling it. One of. Our best... You mean, our press agent... Who is she getting as a guest, by the way? Because she's absolutely a fabulous guest. Is that... No, it's Judy Jackson. Oh, <laughs> okay. okay. Well, she's a very good press agent. A little, she's a little great... She, I yeah. love her. Well, yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. Because but, it's fringe time. It's fringe time. But isn't it great that they fired the cast? Like that's this. a pretty fun... It is a pretty funny story. Speaking of funny... The New York International Fringe Festival starts this Friday, August 10th. And venues all over the city... Here are some of the uh, the shows that are happening. First of all, there's one that I can recommend without even having seen it. It's called Gamers, and it's written and stars um, Brian Bielowski. Why do I know you should see this? Because it's his next door neighbor. I don't get it. I don't know. No, I did no. It's because he was in a show last month called Outroverted, where he did basically a 20-minute piece based on this longer piece, and it's absolutely wonderful. So go see Gamers, and if you want to um, check it out, you can go on YouTube. Is that people play it. with their thumbs? Well, it's a, yeah, it's about this guy people. who's in an office, and yeah. he's trying to, to do all his office business and do computer tech while winning a big old computer video game battle with all these friends of his. <laughs> exactly. Also, okay, there goes the mic. Now... Also coming to the Fringe Festival. Oh, well done! You, I don't know what you, what Jeff just did, but he, he <laughs> was able to uh, get the microphones back to normal. I think. <laughs> Thank you, man. Well done. Don't ever do that again. Uh oh, is my mic off? No, your mic's on again. Oh, maybe my headphones. Okay, well, let's 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 keep uh, rolling here. Okay. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> now, let's do some of the titles. Because it's always the titles that okay. to me of the uh, of the New York Fringe Festival author offerings. Okay. There's Action Jesus and Jesus Rant. There's Bah, which is what happens when one sheep doesn't want to follow the herd. I mean, I mean. Oh, I like know. that. Bashed, a gay rap oh, yeah. opera, which I will not see. No, it's a gr- no, it's really it's 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 a big thing. It's it's really good. A gay rock or gay rap it's opera. It's a gay rap opera, which is in. In answer to after they were trying to legalize gay marriage up in Canada, yeah, there were these whole series of gay bashings up there. 
Uh-huh. So that that's what the author wrote about. Is it's, oh, okay. it's, it's a real Maybe true story. Good. Maybe it's. I mean, just because they're fringe festival and off off Broadway doesn't mean they're bad folks. I mean, a lot of these turn out to be surprisingly good, and within months wind up I mean, in major off Broadway. We got your income from that. We do, oh, absolutely. A bunch of things have. I think the People versus Mona came from this, which was was just off Broadway. Also, what was the the naked? The, um, which one? Oh, hmm. oh, yeah. Um, uh, Dallas Cowboy Cheerleader. Yes, the, um, Debbie does Dallas. Dallas came, came to Off-Broadway. Um, anyway, some other ones that are coming up include Wolf Daddy. Delgar confronts Dad about his twisted secret and involves a dog. Okay. Bukowskikul, for all you Charles Bukowski fans. Maybe we should get some tickets to give away on the air. Actually, well, the tickets to these are so cheap. I mean, we might as well not But we bother. can give them away on the air. Maybe we'll see. To our days gone by, loyal listeners. That'd be nice. Anyway, there's a Sean Hanlon production of... Bum, 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 Cancer, the musical. Ooh. <laughs> I'm seeing that one. I wonder if that's going to cause... I only, uh, <laughs> I in know. laboratory rats. There's... Ching Chong Chinaman, which is about, quote, a privileged life, a stable home, indentured servitude in the name of galactic conquest, Upton Wong has it all. I love that, Upton Wong. You but, when, love it. but when his Chinese slave starts romancing his mother, will the Wongs ever learn how to be Asian American? Those I, Wongs will never be white. They'll never make a lie. Yeah, thank um, Let's see, other shows include Freedom and the Sticky End of Make Believe. There's Hail Satan in which the omen meets the office. Oh, that you'll see, but you won't see the gay bashing. Yeah, I'm not uh, seeing either. I Dig Doug. A teenager's world is turned upside down when she learns the presidential election is just reality TV. Oh, I like that. That sounds promising because it's the, gu- the guy who wrote Dog Sees God, that Peanuts one. So he's, he's very talented. There's... Now they get I really... Did, I Dig Doug and Dog Sees God. Someone is stuck on the D. Jeez, yeah. Jazz Hand. Tales of a One-Armed Woman. Ever wake up one morning and can't find your arm? Come join us on a ride through the lives of the appendagely challenged. No. Williamsburg, the musical. John Goldfar, but please come home. This is a musical written by William Peter Blatty. Do you know who that is? No. He wrote The Exorcist. He's written a comedy musical, ladies and gentlemen, about... Love, Spy Planes, Harem Girls, and the Notre Dame football team. Okay. No. <laughs> Lost in Hollywood Land, or The Slug Woman from Uranus. I like that one. From Inca Dinka Inc. Productions, it's Damn Yankees meets Ed Wood in this retelling of Faust. I like that. Only in the Let's Fringe Festival. That. A Mikvah by Jeremy Bloom. Let's take a bath. When Alan, a gay Jewish bachelor who still talks to his dead grandmother, finds out his long-lost childhood love, Ben, has returned, he learns too much about Ben's mysterious past. No. What do you mean? It's a nice Jewish play. How about Miles, the hypoallergenic superhero and his superhero friend? Love it. That comes from Canada. (laughs) Yeah? I used to have a friend named Miles. I wonder if he was a superhero. Maybe he was. Was he naked in a fishbowl? Yes, he was. Or was he Victor Wu, the average Asian-American? These are all titles, folks, of, of shows in the Fringe Festival. Bampingo, a comedy with bite. Up the Gary. <laughs> wow, is that a gay musical? And here's one you'll never remember this title. Whence came ye, Scarlett O'Hara O'Hanrahan? When Scarlett ran away from home in search of her roots, she never thought she'd discover America. Will this African-American, Irish-African-American lassie thrive? No. 
No, she won't. Maybe. Actually, the actress Mel Powers is a regular on the Chappelle show, so maybe maybe it's actually pretty good. There's now we get to the, the final biggies: Pigeon Man Apocalypse, Princess Mimi, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and I Love the Frog, Princess Sunshine's Bitter Pill of Truth Funhouse, which is presented. I by, love these. We have to go. We have to go. With some of them. Little Miss Angry Girl Productions is presenting that one. I like that. Scouts Honor, Snipe Hunt, and Becky's Beaver. And uh, I beg your pardon. Oh, and this is this is what we're going to be doing after the uh, this show tonight: sodomy and pedicures. Mom is a woman studies professor. Dad is a communist. The result: a 37-year-old fag hag exhibitionist with unresolved domination fantasies. No. Oh, I like sodomy no. and pedicures. And now the two my two favorites here: tumor humor. He's malignant. She's benign. Real life story, <laughs> story, story of a woman stout with cancer and. Here's, here's, are we, can you get a little drum roll, please, Jeff? Where's this one? A show called Rise Like a Penis from the Flames, A Phallic Phoenix Story by Antonio Sacre. Oh, that gets a boo. <laughs> that's just a big boo. I realize. That's, that's the Fringe Festival, the New York Fringe Festival, starting this Friday and going for about a week. I just have a, about a minute now to talk about uh, the, the show I saw last night, my first time. Tell was, us about your first time. I'll tell you about the show the first time. No, but you have to tell us about your first time. Another time, when we, have, when we have more than three minutes left. Um, I heard it wasn't that long, so. <laughs> it hasn't been, anyway. Anyway, hmm. this is... Um, playing at New World Stages on 50th Street. And the whole idea was they took a website called MyFirstTime.com where everybody wrote in to tell about good, bad, ugly, from from absolutely ideal, perfect kind of um, um, first time losing of the virginity to... Then, I'm sorry? Did you write in, Dave? No, I didn't write in. Only they give the audience little cards to fill out. And sometimes they, the actors also read from what the audience wrote in about their first times. And so it's this new genre that I'm coining it the topic play. The whole idea is... It's reality theater. Yeah, like vagina monologues, also like that show Gone Missing. They take a topic, they chop it up, they do little list kind of things, and intersperse them with monologues. Well, you know what else is coming back? What? That show where they take a member of the audience... And they ask them about their life, and then they do a This Is Your Life on them. Oh, I remember, yeah, that they're bringing that back with Yeah. I, I think it's come back this week. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, so... Let's so go. Then, yeah, but it's, it, that's a different kind of reality theater. This is, this is just... It's sort of like, take the topic, run with it, and then... I have my problem so, with that, because you can't get really... So tell us how the Mile High Club came into this my first time. Anyway, the problem with the show, although it's very, it is quite entertaining, you just come out of it... You got exactly what you expected. No more, no less. And you go, okay, so what? You might as well read the website than listen, even though the actors are very personable and, and, and stuff like that. So and it's how a much good third day play. Probably, probably about 40, 50 bucks. And you uh, think it's worth it? On a third date, if you're trying to get in someone's pants, absolutely, because the couple in front of me, they, they, they graduated from like nuzzling to canoodling in the last 10 minutes of the play. So it was working for them. And, uh, you know, I would say... And who did you bring? Who did I bring? I, I brought me in my left hand. So it was... No, I'm kidding. Well, I mean, I did bring my... I didn't leave my left you hand You didn't home. bring a day... Well, unless you lost your left hand in the morning. Well, I don't even know what that means. That's another play. That's the play about losing the appendages, remember? The, the one-armed woman. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm going to take my right arm and make sure we get this commercial done so we can move on, talk about Ingmar Bergman for a little bit, and close Dave's gone by for this Okay, week. can we la-la-la-la-la-la out? Do it up. La-la-la-la-la-la. <laughs> 
We've just been Inside Broadway, thanks to TotalTheater.com and Performing Arts Insider. If you love Broadway, Off-Broadway, Cabaret, Opera, and Dance, isn't it time you subscribe to Performing Arts Insider, the ultimate guide to everything on the stages of New York. Listings, reviews, box office, and production news, all at 10% off for Dave's Gone By listeners. To subscribe or get a sample issue, call 516-295-1511, 295-1511, or see PerformingArtsInsider.com. Hi, I'm Crystal Zevon, the author of I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, The Dirty Life and Times of Warren Zevon, and you're listening to Dave's Gone By. Oh, it's midnight on WGBB Freeport. Midnight at the Oasis. And we're going to do a little bit of extra time. Yeah, on, on Dave's Gone By now, and, and do want to take a minute or two or three to say goodbye He's my bird and just bought the farm. <laughs> well, he, actually, with his money, he could have bought a few farms. And he died, I think, on his farm on the island of Faro. I think pretty much near where he was born, in Sweden. He Is died Monday. Far away? Faro way. At 89. So, all the he lived, and he worked till nearly the very end. So, he was in pretty good health. Theo Lindstrom's now out of parents. Oh, wow. She was, well, she was Ingrid's kid. Was she Ingrid's kid with... No, she with Roberto Rossellini, not... Um, Oh, okay. Well, then she's okay. Anyway, let's, let's, let's move through this. Um, Ingmar was born of very strict Lutheran clergy, and an unst- it was clergyman, and an unstable mother, which kind of explains a few things about the films that he made. And um, as, as one website put it, his filmography is an embarrassment of masterpieces, including Smiles of a Summer Night, The Magician, Wild Strawberries, The Seventh Seal, Persona, Cries and Whispers, the series Scenes from a Marriage. He also did... One of the more famous opera films, The Magic Flute, and then Fanny and Alexander, which he said was his favorite film to work on. He loved working on that so much, and it exercised so many demons from his life that he decided, no more movie making. I've done it. I've exercised the demons. I've said everything I had to say. And it's one of people's favorite Bergman films because it's one of the most commercial. You don't have to be a Bergman fan to get it. A bunch of Swedish actors. But it's an epic. It's a really kind of, it's a, it has a happy part and a sad part when they have to move in with the clergyman, nasty whipping father, mm-hmm. and then they get away from him and then it's happy again. Oh. But it, it's, it's unlike some of the really weird films that he's made. Um, Bertrand Tavernier, the French film director, said, Ingmar Bergman was the first film director to bring metaphysics, religious, uh, religion death, existentialism, to the screen. But the best of Bergman is the way he speaks of women, of the relationship between men and women. He's like a miner digging in search of purity. Woody Allen once called Ingmar Bergman probably the greatest film artist, all things considered, since the invention of the motion picture camera. Now, you know, Bergman was also a theater person all his life. He started in regular and puppet theater, and he was directing stuff that came to Brooklyn Academy of Music just a couple of years ago, every year. Um, his first break came um, was writing a film called Torment, and that made My Zetterling a star. And an early favorite of mine that I recommend is called Sawdust and Tinsel, or, or in America we know it as The Naked Night. It's the one with a crazy clown. Seek it out if you can if you can find it. Now it's his subtitle, David. No one likes to read a movie. I do. I watch a movie now all the time. Even with English, I watch it with subtitles now. Much easier. I don't have to listen that much. Anyway. Bergman's life was not all glory and glamour. He was 
uh, charged with tax evasion in Sweden, and although eventually the government apologized to him, he had a nervous breakdown from the from the experience, and, and you know, not, not a fun thing. But he also made stars of Max von Sydow, Gunnar Björnstrand, Ingrid Thulin, B.B. Anderson, and of course, Liv Ullmann, who he was dating for a time, and they have a child together. And of course, he what made... Charles then? I don't know. Um, I don't know. And also, he made a star of cameraman Sven Nyqvist, who, who died last year. My memories of Bergman, again, goes back to when I was an early, early teenager, barely maybe 10 or 11, and watching... He never wrote to me. He <laughs> never to me either. But he, he talked to me through the screen when I watched on Channel 13 the movies, those 1950s and 60s movies that he made. And they were simple, and even when they were dull, there was something about the look of them and the feel of them that were, you know, that, that were special to me. I mean, I'm, uh, granted, I, I will give you, I, just before this show, I rented from my local library Hour of the Wolf, which was Bergman's only horror film. So I tried to watch it this week. Was it horrible? Well, twice I've fallen asleep. Inside, I watch 15 minutes, I fall, and this is a horror movie. You're not supposed to fall asleep in a horror movie. Did anyone else die this week? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, let, me, let me tell people that if they want to get into Ingmar Bergman, you don't go for the really weird films first. These are three Bergman movies you should see. Which are? If you don't think you're going to like Bergman. Fanny and Alexander, because it's the closest to a Hollywood movie movie. The Virgin Spring, which is, a, you know, speaking of virgins, which is this very dark, simple, straightforward folktale. It won the 1960 uh, Best Foreign Film Oscar. And then, of course, one of my favorite movies of all time, The Seventh Seal. And, and just to look at that film, and if people say he's boring, or he doesn't know how to tell a story... Were they seal, seal? See, the seventh seal. Now, yes, someone else did die Ooh. this week, besides my patients. Um, <laughs> Michelangelo Antonioni. They, but they actually died the same day as Bergman. And Antonioni was 94, also a film director. Now, if you think Bergman's boring, Antonioni is really and deliberately boring. He was known for... <laughs> for long takes and a very fragmented style. And he did La Notte, The Eclipse, Red Desert, which they made us watch at NYU, and I was like, oh, okay. Someone else had to die this week. Oh. Also, he, you know what his most famous film was? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Blow Up, with uh, Vanessa Redgrave. And um, he also did Zabriskie Point and The Passenger. And um, he got his Lifetime Achievement Put Award from, from, <laughs> from Jack Nicholson. And, you know, even after... Off the button. Even after his 1985 stroke, when he could no longer speak, Antonio went on, Antonioni went on making movies. So I think that's uh, pretty special. So I'm going to miss Ingmar Bergman, not so much Antonioni, but certainly anybody who's interested in a mortgage should not miss MortgagesRock.com. Online training, it's free, it's fast. Needs no explaining, designed for your success. It's easy to be the bomb at MortgagesRock.com. 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 30 seconds is a long time. You can say a lot in half a minute about your business, your product to sell, your message. Say it on Dave's Dong Buy. Easy, inexpensive, effective. For details and the rate card, davesdongbuy.org or email davesdongbuy at aol.com. Imagine how much you can say to my listeners by advertising on Dave's Dong Buy. Just like this, 28, 29, 30.
Oh, um, I, I think I think the gospel folks are about to show up, and so we've got to say our goodbyes. So let's first of all thank everybody for listening. Jeff, let's do our sponsors real quick. Mortgagesrock.com, 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 mortgagesrock.com. And see, can you sing PerformingArtsInsider.com? PerformingArtsInsider. It's the Bible of Broadway.com. It's nice to be Insider, too. Performing Arts Insider. It's the Bible of Broadway. Get um, Unit Minuteman Press time singing. You've got to do the chorus at Unit Minuteman Press. What? Oh. Hewlett Minuteman Press. It's a Colomans. Hewlett Minuteman Press. Shoe store. Hewlett Minuteman Press. It's a Colomans. And now let's not forget, of course... Fancy schmancy balloons and party supplies. Okay, I want to give a shout out to Joy and Bob. Hope everything's going okay with them out in Long Island. And Joyce, take care of the baby. Our new, our baby, our, the, the video camera we borrowed to, to do some sample tapings. God knows we're not going to put this on YouTube. Um, thank you so much to Jack Hartman, uh, author of The USA Way and The USA Today Way. Too, and for all his information and thoughts about Rupert Murdoch and helping us and out what on was this topic. And what was his website address there? Oh, my God. He was spelling that out endlessly. <laughs> we would have been on time had he not spelled out his website. <laughs> I'm not going to blame him for that. And I want to thank and my beloved filming me, Joyce Wilde, my partner in cinema. Even though you never got into the Mile High Club. Um, well, we record a mile, but that's for another day. Anyway, you can listen on another day. This is another day to a bunch of vintage Dave's Gone By episodes at theaterpod.com. And I've been semi-promised that they're updating that site. We may even get some more shows on there. So theaterpod.com. They've got got 25, so there's probably one or two good ones on there. (laughs) Am I on them? Um, yeah, you are on a couple. Oh, then they have a couple of good, good ones. ones, yeah. And speaking of Jeff and myself and Charles Gross, thanks so much to Who's Charlie. Who's to Israel? Yes, you know, five o'clock trip. You can see. No, start robbing his phone. You can see Jeff and me and Charlie on YouTube by going to Two on the Isle. That's the show that Jeff. Two on the Isle dot com. Like two on the Isle dot com. Does he have a website? I don't know if he has a, the website. Two on no, the Isle. No, not really. He doesn't. But on YouTube, you can see episodes of that theater review program with Jeff and Charlie and sometimes myself. And uh, let's see for all the sandwich. What? You know, it's a you know you and sometimes why? Yeah. So you like the why in the vowels. You're, in You're the, just on another level of consciousness. In the vowels of two on the aisle. The bowels of two on the aisle. Bowels. bowels of two on the aisle. I don't even know. Anyway, what else? For information about this program, about all these kinds of things, please go to my website, Dave's Gone By. And don't forget to thank your parents. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Love you. Mwah, mwah, mwah. And, and the special occasion? Yeah, what special occasion? You forgot. Yeah, I forgot. You what? should be ashamed of yourself. Remind me. What's happening this week? I'll tell you off the air. You tell me, great. Tell me off the air. And they'll certainly give you a call now, too. Well, there's nobody's birthday. Well, I, um, no. No, there's nobody. I don't even know. What, what's the occasion? I'll tell you later. You'll tell me off the air. Anyway, thank you, Jeff Goodman, for being my guest co-host. Even if I tend to lose my temper at you, you should And, and the dogs. Don't forget to thank the dogs. Thank you, dogs. Can we please, before you know, we get nasty calls for people waiting to hear oh, about I'm Jesus... Sorry. Anyway, we will be... <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> you were like, what I said. You know... What? 
the gospel people are very, very nice people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But the listeners are sometimes like, where, where is my Jesus music? I need it. I need it now. I don't think I'm going to burn in hell. What? Anyway. No, they just they just like to hear their music. Yeah. Well, but, but they honestly pray for us as we, well, God I bless mean, them. Yeah, I mean, God knows that when they hear us, they're going to pray for us. All oh well, never, every, I'm damned. <laughs> I'm totally damned. What but, was it? Watch out! Oh, that's from from Les Mis. You are damned, right? Is that is that Javel or the other guy? Yeah. It's um, who's the the nasty inspector? Javert. Javert. Is he sings or Javert? yeah? Somebody to, to Valjean. Anyway, it's twelve thirteen a.m. We've got to leave. <laughs> We'll be back next Sunday, August 19th, 2007, with the 234th episode of Dave's Gone By. Until then, don't miss your days going by. This is Dave Lefkowitz. And Jeff Goodman saying goodnight to Janice in California. Oh, yeah. Goodnight, Janice. She was on our show last week. Wishing you all goodnight and plenty of fanny in your Alexander. And gone. Bye-bye.